An Englishman, an American, and a Kiwi start a podcast. What's the punchline? You're about to find out. So welcome to the first uh, episode of the Switch Focus podcast. I'm your host, Andy Corrigan. With me, I have Andrew Brown. Oh, hi. And we have Ginny Wu. Hey there. How are you both? Could be worse. Um, I am incredibly over-caffeinated, but very enthusiastic. So this should be fun. What about you, Andrew? Well, I'm hot, and this dictator over here made me turn my air conditioner off, so I'm in a bad mood right now. It makes for a better recording. You know what makes for a good recording? When your co-host is happy and comfortable. <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm fine. Let's move on. Cool. So, uh, this is the Switch Focus podcast. We're here to talk about all things Switch, news, the big releases, hopefully chat to some developers along the way. As it's the first episode, we should probably get to get our listeners or potential listeners to uh, get to know what we're about and who we are. So... Andrew, you can start. Who are you? Why should people care? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I'm not anyone significant at all. You know, I publish on my personal blog. I've been a guest on a few podcasts, and I prevent presented at an academic conference because that's what my background is in video games. is mostly academic. Uh, I studied mostly literature and creative writing for most of my life, so that's the direction I come to video games from, is from a more literary angle. Uh, so most of my notoriety in the community comes from being a smartass and an unabashed Nintendo fan on Twitter, so <laughs> I think that's what's kind of brought me to being on this podcast today. Cool. And you, Ginny? Um, well, it sounds like Andrew's the brains of the operation, because I do not have an academic background in video games. Um, just played a lot of World of Warcraft growing up as a child with very few friends at school. Um, and that somehow evolved into me writing about games. So I'm currently a freelance game writer and um, I work at a law firm by day. My background is in law, so I've got plenty of opinions on things like censorship and the legality of censorship in video games. Do we need censorship? So don't get me started on that topic. Um, um, as to why people should care, uh, they probably shouldn't. I mean, unless you've got opinions that align with mine about Koei Tecmo's soft engine and how great Nintendo is, we probably won't get along that well. So let's uh, see how it goes. I promise I'm not abrasive. I just have a case of um, resting bitch voice. So that would be fun. Fair enough. Uh, and I'm Andy Corrigan. I'm also a freelancer, uh, mostly for IGN AU. I have been on an Australian site, Games on Net, occasionally, which is sadly no longer with us. Um, and yeah, and now I'm the hosting this podcast. Uh, I was uh, also a massive Nintendo fan growing up, so you're both in, in good company. Wow, three Nintendo fans on a Switch <laughs> fan cast. That is astounding. Who, Who would have thought? thought? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so what is it about the Switch that uh, we love enough 
to to make a, a special podcast about it then? Well, I have faithfully purchased pretty much every Nintendo console since I was a child and could use a console. Um, I grew up in Asia, so Nintendo was always very popular. Uh, we were more of a GameCube household than a PlayStation household. So I think my love for Nintendo was captured really on. And so when the Switch came out, I thought, you know what? Here's another console I'm going to come to love. And I mean, it has really captured me. Um, the first game I played on the Switch was The Legend of Zelda. And as someone who's incredibly nostalgic about The Legend of Zelda, I went to the Zelda Symphony concert not so long ago. It sort of was like the, the culmination of of nostalgia and like a shiny new product that sort of really came together for me and really sort of stamped the Switch for me as a console that I kind of want to keep around for quite a while. Um, so yeah, as a fan of multiplayer and nostalgia, which Nintendo was milking to the nth degree with its new releases, the Switch has a firm place in my heart and that is why I want to be on a podcast about it, to share the love and to spread the word, the gospel of the Switch. Uh, well, I'm pretty much the same, but I have lived my entire life in the Pacific Northwest in the United States, so it came down kind of with the choice between the Nintendo or Sega for me, and well, I had an NES when I was a child, so I grew up with Nintendo. <laughs> when the Sega went out, PlayStation came in, I was still Nintendo. Uh, first console I ever bought with my own money, actually I think probably the first major purchase I ever made with my own money was a GameCube, and I had a Wii, a Wii U, and then the Switch was announced, and I was blown away by the very idea of the Switch from that first trailer they released in October of last year with that great song by that white denim, you know, that ha ha ha, yeah, that was, loved that trailer, <laughs> and I was a believer from the start. I didn't let the critical disappointment of the Wii U put a damper on my enthusiasm for Nintendo. I was always of the opinion and remain of the opinion that they make the most exciting and original video games out there. I always want to play their new stuff, no matter how skeptical I am or other people are about it. And then came January 12th, which was the big Nintendo Switch presentation trailer that showed us what it actually is. And we find out that the Switches are going to go on sale right after the presentation is over. And we were having the largest blizzard in recent memory, and my internet was down at the time. Incredibly as if by fate, it came back up in the final minutes, just as that brilliant final trailer for The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild was starting, and I was able to get one at the last second through Best Buy. I was very happy, because I didn't get stuck trying to scalp one or to scramble at the last minute to get one from Amazon or whatever. And finally, two months later, launch day comes. I took the day off work to get it. I lied. I said I was sick. I wasn't sick. I was sick. I was sick for Nintendo, and it's been my most <laughs> prized possession since. It, it's my constant companion on trips to the laundromat, like the Super Bowl commercial they put out. Maybe you guys haven't seen that. I don't know how big the Super Bowl is outside the U.S., but the Super Bowl commercial, there was a big showcase in it of the guy taking it to the laundromat to play it, and I'm like, they have captured my life on screen. That is and amazing. I take, I take it to work on the commute every day. 
And other than that, mostly I keep it docked. That's how I played it most of the time. And I don't think a week has gone by where I haven't bought at least one new game for it. I am a fully satisfied customer. It does everything I want and everything it doesn't do. I don't care. <laughs> That's a great review, if I've ever heard one. Yeah. If you haven't got one, buy one now after listening to that. Jesus. Um, so me, uh, I have always had a love of uh, handheld gaming, particularly, um, and when the uh, PS4 came out a couple of years back with Remote Play, I was all over that. Like I was playing games all of around the house. I didn't have to wait to hit to checkpoints or saves to like go to bed and finish where I was and things like that. And the, the Switch has just been an extension of that. I just I just love being able to play it out and about or and just come home and, and dock it and carry exactly where I was before, you know, the console sli- goes into sleep mode and you just carry on from exactly where you were. I I'm all about that. I I love that aspect to the point where if um a game gets announced for Switch and it's already available, I'm gonna hold off playing it until it comes to Switch. Don't know about you guys. Same here. Mm, yep. Um, example of that, which we're going to talk about a bit later, was uh, I Am Sitsuna. I'd, I'd owned that for like eight months on PS4 or something and just never got around to it. And yeah, the Switch was what made me get through it finally, just because of the portability factor. So um, we'll get more into depth onto, onto that later. But um, yeah, so yeah, it's fair to say we're all pretty good, all pretty big fans then. I, I'm also, uh, like Andrew, I, I, I try and buy a game for at least every couple of weeks. Like it's, I found it really good for impulse purchasing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, let's get into the, the meat of the podcast then. So, we're going to get into some, uh, some of the, the new stuff. So, first up I, I've got down here on the show notes was the, the Splatfest, which is occurring right now, or has it ended by now? Just it ended 48 just... minutes ago. Just ended. Okay. Same in the U.S. They must have finally synced them up because the last one was not synced up. Ah. So um, I, I went for uh, invisibility. It was um, flight versus invisibility, of course. Uh, what did you guys opt for, and why? Ah, well, I picked invisibility because it is the only correct choice. Damn um, straight. Out of the two. Oh, great. So we're all on the winning team here, everyone. Well, Make that I mean, the winning team in our hearts. I don't know if Invisibility has actually won the Splatfest, but it is the best team. They will probably announce it just as we're done recording. Who won? Probably. Yeah. Cool. But Marina is the best. Um, Pearl's... I'm sorry, Pearl, but she just... She creeps me out. She is incredibly exactly. scary to look at. And I, you know, I just can't bite that bullet. So that's why I went Team Invisibility. And also, I think it would be good to be invisible. I think it would be a really cool power to play pranks on your mates with, you know? Um, flight, not so much. Could be dangerous. Too many aeroplanes, drones, missiles in our current political climate. So I think invisibility <laughs> is far safer. Uh, I uh, I really struggled to pick one. And I ended up doing Eeny Meeny Miny Mo. And I landed on invisibility. Oh, I see. 
Okay. Oh. Oh, I'm, I'm happy with the choice. Well, actually, whether I'll still be happy with that will depend on the results, I guess. Um, you got to watch this guy, Jenny. I don't trust him. <laughs> <laughs> Can't believe you considered picking Pearl. No. <laughs> I, I only managed to get a couple of games in this morning for the whole thing. Uh, I, I went up one level in the invisibility fandom. Um, oh. Yeah. I wish I'd got more in. I picked Invisibility. Uh, Honestly, I was very tempted by both of them. Uh, But Invisibility, I think, just fits more my nature. Uh, Please don't be fooled by the way I act online. I'm actually a very reserved person who prefers not to be the center of attention. So Invisibility just matched my nature much better. And also I thought about it, you know, like, I think if this actually happened, I think the people who picked flight would very quickly become the upper class who the entire society caters to them because like you know flight is a form of transportation that's going to completely rework the way we move about and people who have flight are just going to have a better advantage there they're going to be able to get from place to place faster roads are going to be reworked in their favor there's going to be all new methods of flight being made uh to accommodate the people who can't fly and that, those modes of flight have to accommodate the people who can fly. And since there's going to be a lot more of them and it's easier for them to get around, they're probably going to have the better forms of passage. So if just from a societal advantage, flight just seemed like uh, the way to go. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think any uh, big social sociological changes will come about because of the Splatfest, but you never know. Yeah, see, this is why Andrew is the brains of the operation. Because that would never have yeah. crossed my mind. I was like, invisibility is dope. I'm going to pick that one. So, yeah. I overthink stuff, yeah. <laughs> cool. So, maybe we'll get a, uh, a live update as to whether... Uh, as to who won, sorry. Mm-hmm. As we go, has anyone, anyone come watch that? I am, I'm following it on Twitter, so I will make sure to let you all know. When our team inevitably wins, because it's a fabulous team. Well, I know in the past couple Splatfests I did, because I'm trying to do them all, I bounced off the first Splatoon super quick. I didn't play it like after the first two weeks it came out. Trying to come back to Splatoon 2 for all the Splatfests. And in this most recent one we did, I noticed I got teams really fast, and I didn't have a single like Civil War where I had to fight another team of Invisibility players. So I think all three of us were definitely in the minority vote this time. And that means unless we won both of the other categories, the the team matchup and the single matchup in terms of the win ratio, uh, we're not going to win. We're starting off at a disadvantage. So away from the uh, Splatfest, Nintendo just uh, did their Nindies Summer Showcase where they unveiled a, a heap of indie games from various developers. Um, now, I haven't had time to check this out, poor host that I am, uh, busy playing uh, Mario vs. Rabbids, it's research, honest. Um, now, uh, Andrew, you were all over this one, um, there's a heap of games here, uh, which <laughs> ones are you most excited for? Oh, well, uh, uh, I really struggled to get into indie games before the Switch came out because I was kind of a physical media snob, so if a game wasn't <laughs> released physically, I didn't buy it. I've with the switch has led to kind of a revolution 
on that for me where I'm much more open to buying a game if it's only available digitally. So all the indie releases that come out, I'm always super excited because even the re-releases, it's probably the first time I've actually played the game. <laughs> uh, but uh, of the many, 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 many Nintendo indies that were shown in the Summer Showcase, the four of them that I was most excited for were Gulf Story, uh, Wolverblade, Floor Kids, and SteamWorld Dig 2, all four of which I believe are actually coming out this month in September. So that looks pretty cool. Uh, Gulf Story, I don't have either of you played uh, Mario Golf on Game Boy Color. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I... no. <laughs> <laughs> It was a stupid awesome game for a Game Boy game. It was <laughs> it was a full-on golf game, but it was also an RPG <laughs> and it was really amazing and Golf Story as soon as I saw this game I was like, it's Mario Golf, but it's better. <laughs> it's got the same art style, but the graphics have been improved. It's still a really pixel art style, but they've made it a lot more detailed. It's much higher resolution, but when I what I've seen from the trailers is it's Mario Golf and I'm really excited to be able to play more of that because that Game Boy Color game, if you ever have the chance to play it, I think it's on the virtual consoles. Play it because I think you will be surprised that this is a Game Boy game. Uh, and then there's also Wolverblade, which uh, have either of you played Castle Crashers? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I know of it. I'm not Andy, come on. <laughs> I'm not into multiplayer. Leave me alone. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. Well, Wolverblade, uh, I got very strong Castle Crasher vibes from it. Uh, it's it's an arcade brawler, so like you know maybe comparing it to Castle Crashers is a little disingenuous because that's a much older genre than just Castle Crashers. But looking at it, that was the immediate impression I got from it. It uh, has a really cool animated kind of uh, graphic novel style to it. Uh, have you played Darkest Dungeon or seen it? Uh, I own it twice. Yes, very good. Uh, awesome. Uh, the visual style reminds me strongly of Darkest Dungeon, uh, and it's apparently based on actual English history. So I'm kind of excited to play some stylized history, beating the crap out of the Romans with these highlanders and uh slaughtering people cutting them in half punching them in the face it just looks like a fun game nice yeah and then number three was floor kids uh i'm a big fan of the rhythm genre although i haven't really had many chances to play it lately because there just aren't that many rhythm games released recently but it's a it's a breakdancing game uh which has a really cool soundtrack based on the trailer that they played uh, with the music in it, which has, uh, oh shoot, what's that guy's name? DJ Panda or something? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Maybe he's good. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but it just looked like a lot of fun because when I was in middle school, there were these cool kids that they were really good at the whole breakdancing thing where they put out a sheet of cardboard and they'd be spinning on their heads and everything. I was always really jealous of them, but I couldn't ever run with them because I wasn't physically active the way I am also not now. So <laughs> just a little preview into a world that I have always been interested in. Uh, and then there's SteamWorld Dig 2, which uh, I haven't played the first one, although it's always been on 
my list of games that I would love to be able to spend more time with. Uh, just yesterday, I actually pre-ordered a physical disc version of it from Wii U. Not pre-ordered, I, I ordered it online, so it should be here soon. With any luck, I'll actually have time to play it. <laughs> I, I started that one, but I uh, I never never finished it. I don't know why. I don't think it grabbed me. Um, it's that long ago, I can't remember. can't give the details as to, to why exactly. Um, I know that the Steam World is like this whole series. They've got all these kinds of games. Like I know they have a side-scroller, like tactical, turn-based RPG. That looks pretty cool, but Steam World Dig, uh, I really can't tell you much about it. Probably should just cut this out, actually. Uh, it it, it kind of looks like Spelunky, but I've asked people about it who are big Spelunky fans, and they're like, yeah, it looks like Spelunky, but it's really not. So, <laughs> SteamWorld Dig, it looks it looks good. It, remind, it reminded me of um, sort of Spelunky meets Minecraft. You, you're digging, you, you're getting your resources to make better stuff. Mm. So the, the one that caught my eye was uh, Kentucky Route Zero, which yes. you mentioned before. Now, I, I haven't played it. I th- again, I think I own it on Steam. Um, but this is the one where it was uh, episodic, and they've just been silent on the final episode for like over a year or something. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. I know it's notorious for its release schedule being really broad. Mm. And, uh, and this one actually includes the final episode, I gather. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's cool. That's that's a bit of a uh, a coup for the the Switch then, I think. Yeah, that is definitely one that I'm going to be picking up as well. Um, I already got it on Steam as well, but I think most of the games that I want from the Nindie Showcase, I already have. I'm just gonna buy them again because I just love the Switch, and honestly, I think because it's so portable, that will make it that sort of made my purchase choice really easy. Um. I think in terms of the games that I wanted, um, I am really quite drawn in by Mulaka. Um, it is a 3D action-adventure game, I believe. I saw some previews of it. And it's actually based on the lore of the indigenous people of Mexico. So I think that'll be quite interesting in terms of world-building and narrative. And I really like the, the graphics of the game so far. Looks like a really cool premise. Um, on top of that, I also want to play um, the fantasy cooking game, the Battle Chef Brigade. So yes, that looks like, amazing. Sort of, yeah, you play as like elves, um, orcs, and humans, and you need to hunt monsters for ingredients. So it sounds like an anime plot. I think it is an anime plot. I think there is an anime <laughs> out there where you go to a dungeon and all you do is cook monsters into delicious food so it it looks um, like fantasy iron chef is what it looks like (laughs) yeah it really does look very intense and so i'm 100 percent gonna get battle chef brigade and i'm also looking at yono and the crystal uh sorry yono and the celestial elephant it's like a really cute sort of puzzle game where you play as a celestial elephant um i'm a sucker for all things animals you know cats dogs horses literally any sort of animal that you can sort of wrap your arms around I'm 100% there for the smaller and fluffier the better so that would be me and my last two titles um, not Golf Story I'm afraid I'm probably going to be Super Meat Boy forever and Shovel Knight King of Cards I do want to see what the Shovel Knight card game um, that they're going to put in the game ends up being like 
so that's part of my curiosity as a Shovel Knight player. And Super Meat Boy Forever, where um, I, from what I've gathered, um, you play as Super Meat Boy, but this time your child has been kidnapped. So, you know, I think that adds a little bit of drama to the Super Meat Boy formula. And also, I love the original Super Meat Boy. I've got it on Steam. So, I think with a lot of my purchases from Nindies that I'm looking at, they're already games that I've got that I sort of want to want to relive and re-experience. And that's what the Switch has kind of been for me, a chance to sort of relive and re-experience these games from a portable perspective. And it's actually helped me finish some of the games that I wouldn't have ordinarily finished, like um, I Am Setsuna, which I think Andy will talk about a bit later on. So, yeah, I think it's gonna, it's been a, it's been a, it's been a good showcase, I think, um, quite a few games. I think we've got a good spread across hosts in terms of what we're looking to pick up. So I think that bodes well for our future discussions on Nintendo releases. Um, now, I there's one here that I think it'd be uh, bad if we didn't talk about it. Uh, no More Heroes, Travis Tracks Again. A return to the No More Heroes universe. Now, I, I haven't played the originals, so that's another one I haven't played, sorry. Um, <laughs> have you guys had any experience with that series? What did this one look like? Um, well, it is a it is a pseudo project, so it's going to yeah. be at, at least a little that... bit eccentric. Um, and they did mention that well, they did have some Hotline Miami footage in a tiny bit of what they showed off when they were showing off this title during the Treehouse presentation. So it could be something along those lines vibe wise maybe mechanically i think we don't really know enough about it yet apart from the aesthetic that the game is going to have so i think it's a bit too early for me to be like take my money nintendo you know but um we'll see what happens i guess the only game i've played of his has been killer seven which was it was okay uh the main thing i remember about it was it was weird uh, I mm. don't really have much to say about it besides that. So uh, a developer who puts out a game where the only thing I can say about it is it's weird. Uh, I'm not real excited to play anything else by them. <laughs> so I haven't played any of the No More Heroes. I can't really say if I'll play Travis Strikes again. I may if I just need something new to play, but it's not on my list. Can I ask one thing about you two? Because you both have said that you already have most of the Switch games. How do you feel about the Nintendo tax? It's annoying, but I'm willing to pay it on the basis that yeah. I get to play these games portably and on the big screen at the same time. So That's how I feel too, but like I've looked yep. at most of these games and I've looked at the price that I paid for them and I've like uh, Super Meat Boy was the, the second physical game I bought for it. $40. Mm-hmm. You can get the same game for $5 on almost any other platform. And it's just... Do you think that the tide is eventually going to turn on switch with the goodwill towards it if the prices stay the way they are where the games cost twice up to four times as much to get the same game that you can get on any other platform and all you get out of it is you get it being able to play it portably do you think that's going to be a big deal i think the portability thing is a really important factor for a lot of people um at least amongst some of my mates who are a bit older that I know, a lot of them wouldn't have actually played any of these games on Steam or on a computer because, you know, they want to, they much prefer having a Switch and playing it on the commute to and from work. New Zealand's pretty huge. Um, public transport <laughs> sucks. So um, I think for a lot of us over here anyway, um, 
paying that tax, it does hurt the wallet a bit, but it is really worth it because, I mean, some people have upwards of, you know, an hour and a half commutes sometimes from city to home. And my, between my mates, like I said before, um, they would never have bought these games at a cheaper price on Steam because to them, they value that portability so much. So I'm of the idea that I don't think it's going to turn the tide in the way that people will stop buying Switch will stop buying games that are released on the Switch that are released elsewhere. But um, that might also just be sort of me speaking from a geographical perspective because of my location. So, Well, for me, I think um, it depends on the type of game as well. Like, I'm, I'm a multi-format gamer. I play the least on the PC, so I'm, I'm, I'm very unlikely to pick something up on Steam unless it's ridiculously cheap. Um, it's going to depend on the game and whether that's going to benefit from the portability um yeah i mean no one wants to pay like 80 dollars for a, a game that you can get on another platform for 40 bucks but if i'm going to get the benefit from it because of the hardware then i might might just give it a go whether that's going to eat into the the switch's um incomes i don't know it's too soon to say i think okay so we'll move on to the the new releases and the big one of course, just came out this week just gone, was Mario Cross Rabbids. Um, I gather we've all been playing it, is that correct? That is correct. I have been playing a lot of Mario X Rabbids. It's almost going to become a problem, but um, yes. I've been playing it... I got it launched day I beat World 1. I have not been able to play it as much as I would have liked since then. I'm only partway through World 2, but I am playing it. Yeah, I'm in the same situation as you. I've I've just beat um, Rabbit Kong, and I'm partway through the second world. And oh my god, do I love this game! How do you feel about the difficulty, though? Do you feel like it's been getting significantly harder in World Two? Uh, yeah, it does spike a couple of times, but it's you know it's nothing that you can't just you know think about it, restart, go back, and and tackle yeah. it again. Um, for a uh, turn-based strategy game, it moves with a remarkable amount of fluidity. Um, it's probably the Nintendo factor, but uh, yeah, it just feels like really smooth to play. I usually think of turn-based strategy games as like a you know nice relaxing experience, really think on it, but I, I, <laughs> the, the, the mechanics are really pushing me forward, like I'm, I'm breezing through it really quickly. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I'm enjoying it so much I'm not even minding the rabbits. I've only played one game with rabbits in them. It was the very first one, and I I have no strong opinion about them either way. Well, I am I wouldn't call myself a rabbits fan, but I think Who the does? more my mates hate them, the more I enjoy them in a weird <laughs> sadistic way. So <laughs> Um Mario X Rabbids though is a good one. Um I'm an XCOM fan. And uh, when I saw the E3 presentation, I was like, this is just XCOM, but with <laughs> rabbits and Mario. And I was like, I'm going to buy the crap out of that. And I did. And um, I think it's the kind of game that a lot of people might overlook because it's got rabbits, um, which is going to be unfortunate. Um, but it really is a very solid sort of turn-based strategy title. I think you're right, Andy, in what you observed regarding the momentum of how Nintendo sort of keeps things going. I think the small touches like Mario's ability to, or the character's ability to react to things 
you know, sort of like slightly out of turn, you know, like how they can sort of notice something moving, act on that and stuff like that. I think all those small touches that keep the characters physically moving and how the maps keep either, you know, keep either pushing you forward towards a goal or towards an area, I think that sort of contributes to the speed that you're talking about. And I think that makes it very easy to play a lot of the game and not realize how long you've spent on it. Because you're always looking for new things to do when the game is sort of forcing you in that direction. And um, I'm quite liking the little bits in between where you just explore and wander around and sort of do simple Mario puzzles. Um, I think they're a good break from getting your head beaten in by a giant rabbit um, every once in a while. So I've got no complaints. Um, I am actually enjoying it far more than I thought I would. I mean, I knew I would like it, but I, I actually really, really do like it. And... I am excited to see what the Mario X Rabbids Season Pass is going to bring. I think the third, sorry, the second installment is going to bring new story content. So I'm looking to see how that pans out and also how multiplayer actually gets going because unlike Andy, I love multiplayer games. Uh, multiplayer is my lifeblood. So all in all, solid release. I love it and would recommend it to pretty much everyone that will listen, especially those who don't like rabbits. <laughs> um, yeah, those bits in between the the actual turn-based parts—they're they're really cool. I wasn't expecting much from them, um, and as soon as I finished that uh, first world and I got the ability to to push a block, I was like straight back into world one again, trying to see what I'd missed, um, trying to get everything a hundred percent. Whether that that desire stays with me more than a couple of worlds in, probably not, but. Um, yeah, it's really cool. I like I like going through and solving these little puzzles and opening up new areas. And there's uh, the secret battles as well to find. It's it's yeah. pretty cool. As soon as I saw it, I, I'm in the same boat as Ginny. As soon as I saw it, I thought, oh, it's it's XCOM. But then I started to wonder, is it really XCOM or is it just a grid-based tactical RPG? And like uh, it. it doesn't have permadeath which makes a big difference because it makes you really treat every character individually whereas like in a uh well XCOM is probably the easiest example to make is you've got all your troops and you kind of treat them all mostly the same you build all your characters mostly the same uh because you you want them to be replaceable in case you well not in case when you inevitably lose one you want to have one to be back up will be identical if not similar so you don't have to worry about that and it doesn't have base building in it at all, uh, so all your character development is just handled very quickly and efficiently in a screen, and once you've done it, it's permanent. You don't have to worry about maintaining equipment or buying new gear, so it is similar to XCOM if you want to make a really simple comparison, but it's it's really quite different. It's in its own realm there, as far as being part of that genre but i've really enjoyed what i've played of it so far uh, like once i unlocked luigi i just had a lot of fun just setting up uh him up as a sniper because it really gave you a big advantage in the first few maps having that ability but then you get into world two and the maps start working against luigi significantly but then you get rabbit mario who you can very easily build as a tank uh, and he's got like this big widespreading cannon he fires that you can easily hit four or five guys at once and the maps start getting much longer and they start getting much harder uh, i've been 
really pleased with it so far. Uh, it's racking up the challenge, and it's really making me think. It's not just a dumb crossover game with a gimmick slapped on top of it. Um, the other thing I'm loving is the the abilities. So the skip when the I was a bit worried at first that. It, going to be a bit samey all the way through and then I, they opened up the skill tree and I'm like oh cool there's a heap of stuff here to play with um, and there's some like brilliant stuff like uh, Mario's um, wading thing where if a car- an enemy moves he'll, he'll shoot them while they're moving mm-hmm. or I think Luigi's got the same thing it's called Steely Stare yeah. um, and if you hit an enemy with like a gun that has bounce or push back and it knocks them out of cover and then then the other guy engages and it gives them a double hit there's some really cool stuff you can do there um i I love the little character reactions when they uh when they realize they've been spotted or that they're in an angle to be shot like the little jump of surprise like oh no um there's there's heaps of neat little touches in in this game um totally recommend it um and i think it's going to be up there as one of my favorites of the year i think uh, it's too early for me to say there's a lot of stuff coming in quarter four that i'm like i'm really excited for oh, i don't know game of the year mario x rabbits everyone <laughs> can you imagine a, rab- a rabbits game as game of the year jesus i weirdly enough in, a, in our current time anything is possible um <laughs> i think we've been shown that Time and time again. But um, I think another game that I would seriously consider... Well, I think this is my nostalgia speaking, first of all. Another game that I'd seriously consider as being pretty great on the Switch is Sonic Mania. And I say this as an unabashed Sonic fan. Um, and I thought it was amazing. Um, I don't know how you guys felt about Sonic Mania, but I thought it was just everything I wanted from a Sonic game on the Switch. Well, for me, I um, so I was always a Nintendo kid, so to play Sonic, I always had to do it at, at friends' houses. Um, so I, my the first time I beat Sonic One was on the Xbox Live Arcade, and um, the first time I played Sonic Two was on the Xbox Live Arcade, and I, I only beat that through safe scumming. Um, <laughs> now, so I, I picked up Sonic Mania, and so I don't have that nostalgia to it, but it is a it is a fantastic platformer. Um, the the biggest uh, learning curve from it is that you know everyone just thinks of Sonic as being like oh hey fast paced uh, action platformer you know you just run through the levels really quickly but it, like that's impossible you have to treat it as a normal platformer you have to stop here you know weigh up your yeah. options all that sort of stuff um, yeah it's really good and it's I don't think it's too difficult either. Uh, Especially compared to my experience with Sonic Two, I think I think it's a couple of sweeps and you you know you get the hang of it pretty easy. The bosses they always seem impossible at first, but once you got a handle on them, they're they're pretty simple. Um, it's it's been quite the experience for someone who was never a massive Sonic fan as a kid. What about you? Did you pick this one up, Andrew? Um, I have never been a big Sonic fan. Uh, my brother had a Sega Genesis growing up or uh, Sega Mega Drive, depending upon where you're at. And he had Sonic 1 through 3, and I played them. I enjoyed them. Uh, I didn't think they were amazing games, but I thought they were good. Uh, Then games went 3D, and Sonic hit the polygon ceiling with an audible thunk, 
and the past 20 years have been the sound of his corpse sliding down the glass. Oh, come uh, on. <laughs> so I was intrigued uh, that Sonic Mania got the great reviews it did. Uh, it did land on my buy list, but I haven't bought it yet because I've been busy playing the other games have come out in the meantime. Uh, I'll get to it at some point when I have some open time, but I am not in any rush. Cool. Well, now the other the other big release, well, it's not officially out yet, but they did release a demo for it. Um, Pokemon Tournament remastered for the Switch. And yes. now I uh, I love fighting games. Big fighting game fan. Um, now I had this on on the Wii U, but I did kind of fall into the trap of treating my Wii U like a third class citizen in the household. Um, and I criminally underplayed it, so I'm looking forward to putting that right when this comes out. Um, I almost didn't need to play the demo, I'm already sold on it. What about you guys? Um, I played the demo. I think I used up all 15 matches pretty much the within a couple of hours of getting the demo. Um, so like I said before, I'm a huge multiplayer game fan, so Smash was a big thing in my household growing up. It was the only thing I could beat my brother at. Um, all other games he kicked my butt at, so Smash was my one point of pride. And um, Pokemon Tournament really is just Smash with Pokemon um, and crazy, crazy combo moves. So I've always been down for that. I didn't play the original, um, but this is sort of going to be my chance to jump into that kind of game again, and I am super excited for it. Um, so yeah, it's going to be on my buy list for sure. Um, what about you, Andrew? Well, uh, I knew it was coming out, and at the time they hadn't announced all of the games that were coming out in quarter four, or even all the indies that were coming out, so I did pre-order it mostly just to have a Switch game to play in September, uh, and completely on an impulse I even bought one of the Pokken tournament controllers that's out there. Because it was super cheap, and <laughs> I thought I would give it a chance, uh, and I did give it a chance with the demo, uh, which what I can regard of it is it's Tekken with Pokemon. Uh, <laughs> I'm not I'm not a huge fighting game fan, although I'm a huge Smash Brothers fan, uh, but I'm not a huge multiplayer fan. Uh, I have completed every panel in Smash Brothers for 3DS. I did all of that playing solo. I didn't play a single multiplayer match, a single online match. Uh, so yeah, 300 hours of Smash Brothers all by myself. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I feel I should, I should qualify that not liking multiplayer thing. Uh, I, I like multiplayer when I don't have to actually talk to people or work with them. Yes, so, exactly. So yes. fighting games are fine. I love online fighting games. Um, but you would and... hate League of Legends? Yes, absolutely. Um, oh. Like I, I love like uh, strategic shooters, but my, my time for playing those online has has long since gone. Um, I love Splatoon, but that's mainly because I don't have to communicate with anyone to play it and not or to know what I'm doing. So, uh, yeah, just to qual- qualify that statement a bit. <laughs> um, now, okay, so moving on from that one, um, severed. Now, you reviewed this for Digitally Downloaded, is that right, Ginny? Um, yep, that's correct, and cool. it was real good. Um, 
I had seen a couple of disparaging reviews about the Vita version um, when it came out, maybe I think two years ago at this point, a year to two years ago. Um, and I think the Switch was actually the perfect console for the game, um, at least mechanically. It is a completely touchscreen game, apart from using the left analog stick to kind of walk around a bit. Um, and I think it isn't. It, I think it's a really good example of a game that I think people that people will pick up now that it's on a console that actually matches its mechanics. Um, so long story short, it's um, a dungeon crawler, and you play as a young girl whose family has been kidnapped um, by some sort of surreal, awful crow god, and you get pushed into this sort of hellscape which you need to rescue them from and it's all about fighting monsters and blocking and dueling and combos and whatnot and it tells a really really good story about grief and what it's like to be human and experience all these emotions and family ties and I think it's a really really solid game um, it's one of the few games I think that has made or I think few if any games um, which have been a really good or great port from another console, especially mobile, onto the Switch. Um, and it incorporates pretty much 100% mobile sort of hack and slash type mechanics for its combat, which I think a lot of people were put off by when they thought about purchasing the game. I mean, it's not it's not a cheap game, I would say, compared to how it's been priced on the Apple App Store, for example. But I think more games like Severed will sort of help sort of change the tide of people's perceptions of what mobile games can be like. I mean, the Switch is technically a, a, you know, a, portable, a portable mobile console. And I think if we have more games ported from mobile, like the App Store or the iOS Store, onto the Switch that have these mechanics, I think Severed being received much better this time around will have a positive impact on sort of games crossing over. Um, yep, I mean, I, I have to admit, I'm, I'm completely put off by the fact that it's one you can only play touchscreen. <laughs> um, ma- mainly because that's not what I'm looking for in an experience from, for the Switch. Like, I like yeah. to be able to dock it at home, take it away. Um, it does look very interesting. I do have it on Vita. I think I got it in PS Plus. I'm, I might be wrong there. Um, you probably do, because I do too. Ah, cool. Um, so, yeah... M- Maybe, um, I don't know, that just puts me off a little. Yeah, Yeah, that's fair. I am the same way. I'm extremely touchy about my screens. Uh, I accidentally put a big scratch across my 3DS XL with a coat button, and I was just furious with myself, and I don't even like playing that 3DS anymore, even though the only thing wrong with it is is there's a scratch across the corner of the screen. Uh... And with my Switch, I've gone to extremes with it. It has a glass screen protector on it, and on the dock, I have a microfiber sock put on the dock. So that thing is not getting scratched anytime soon. But I'm, I was the same way with the Vita, I'm, and with the Switch. I do not want to spend a game where the entire time is you're touching the screen. I don't want my fingers on the screen. Like, if I could get a stylus to play it with maybe i might go for that but 
then I'm taking it home and I am not able to play it on my big screen. I have to keep it undocked. And when I'm at home, I want to play on the big screen. So mm-hmm. like if I understand for a game like Severed or like a, I think you pronounce it Zoez. It's it's X O E Z. It's another game on Switch that you can also only play. Undocked. Oh, you mean Voez? The rhythm Voez, game. yeah, that game. <laughs> close enough, close enough. I, I'm i just put off because I want to be able to play docked and I don't want my fingers all over my screen no matter how much protection I have on it. So mm. I, it's going to be a tough sell on games like that on Switch for me. Well, that's fine. I'll just wave the pro-severed flag over here in my corner alone. If you're listening, it is a really good game. Honestly, the story is banging. Um, It is on point. And I know the touchscreen thing is an issue for a lot of people out there, and I don't blame you. But it really sort of fits what you're doing in the game, and you will have to play to find out. So please give it a chance. It deserves it. Um, But I guess on that topic um, of Severed being a mobile game... Vita game that's been ported onto the Switch. How do we feel about mobile games getting ports to the Switch and perhaps maybe mobile games that don't rely on, you know, the whole sort of touch screen Fruit Ninja hack and slash screen mechanic? Any thoughts? Okay, for, for me, it's going to be all about um, its suitability on the system and how um, they might add the tactile controls. And so um, I know we've got a uh, there's a racing game coming out soon, Gear Club Unlimited, which was originally I think an Android game. So it's like a, a sim racer. Um, it like I'm super interested to see how that's going to work with the with the Joy Cons or the Pro Controller. Um, I've I've noticed there are quite a few mobile games sneaking on there. <laughs> um, what are your thoughts, Andrew? Oh, um, I think probably have more but i definitely have two games on the switch that are definitely ports of mobile games one of them is ocean horn monster of uncharted seas which was an ios game originally i believe but it's been ported to just about everything now it's on playstation it's on steam but it's it's basically a budget wind waker and it's actually pretty good it's not great but it's good i was not disappointed with my purchase at all and then I've got uh, Pixel Lines DX, which is based off a Pixel Lines series, which is a puzzle game where you're connecting different nodes on a map to make a piece of pixel art. Pixel art, and like you'll have two nodes that are one color and they're fifteen, so you have to connect them all together over fifteen spaces. And if you do them all right together, then everything on the map will be filled in, and it makes a little picture. So it's kind of like Pie Cross, but not at all. Uh, and I've been happy with them because they are mobile games, but they've... This is totally disparaging to mobile games, but I've never played a mobile game which has stayed installed on my phone for more than a day. But I think they've really elevated what mobile games can be by actually putting them on a video game console, a thing I actually want to play video games on. Um, and yeah, and like I, I also played Ocean Horn. And it's a it's a pretty good Zelda impression, Ter- terrible boss fights, um, <laughs> but but there's I can't imagine any way where a mobile version without physical controls is better than the Switch version. I just I just can't even comprehend it. 
Yeah, like pixel lines, uh, you can tell playing it. It was designed to be played uh, with a touchscreen, but they've added uh, Joy-Con controls to it. So I'm I'm perfectly happy with it. And that may not always be possible, like especially in a game like Severed, because the entire game is built around touching the screen. But like it, yeah. a game like Pixel Lines, where you can adapt the touchscreen controls to a controller, I'm perfectly willing to give it a shot. Cool. Yeah, I think I'm in the same boat, and I, I think that ties into the, uh, the the Severed chat pretty well. Okay, so I, I want to take a moment just to talk about uh, I Am Setsuna. So this is a uh, a game from Square, which is sort of a homage to the a lot of their old stuff. So it's, sorry, it's published by Square, uh, made by a, a Japanese indie studio, I believe. Um, and it's sort of it's yeah, it pays homage to their old 16-bit games and leading on to like the PlayStation era. So it's a classic top-down view. Um, sort of a bit like uh, Chrono Trigger in that. Um, there's no random battles, and you don't have to grind to 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 beat it. Um, but the reason I wanted to talk about it was like it it sort of completely summed up like why I loved the the Switch experience so much. Um, so uh, basically, being able to uh, get through dungeons on the go, get back home on a night, plug it on, dock it, play it on the big screen, where it's you know it's it's just as beautiful because it's got brilliant art design uh the just just the nature of it lends itself well to switching between those two play styles uh have either of you two played this one so yeah i have played i am setsuna as well um i got it on the playstation 4 um but i never actually clocked it when i had the ps4 version i've only really clocked it since i bought it on the switch and i think part of the reason for that is the portability um, and that Andy was mentioning before. Um, I mean, it is a really, really good game. It is 100% the sort of JRPG that would come fresh out of the 90s in terms of the the plot and, um, you know, incredible soundtrack, um, incredible characterization, very strong thematic links throughout. And I think it really is an example of a truly great JRPG, and I'm glad that the Switch has it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I liked all those elements beforehand, but just never could finish it, um, because, well, you know, the PS4 is something that you only have at home, and I think part of the reason why I clocked it this time, and I think enjoyed it more this time, was it just feels a lot more a lot more personal. Like, the story is incredibly immersive, and um, I think it's the kind of story that you can play on the train and sort of forget, you know, that you're on the train stuck next to a bunch of sweaty school kids on the way home and you sort of get really sort of drawn into the whole, the game's world and everything that's happening in it. And I think because it's so strong thematically and narratively, um, I think it's perfect for for the Switch in that regard. Um, I mean, I've got no complaints about it. I love stories that are depressing. Um and stories about, you know, people having to work together, people having to redeem themselves. So it ticked all the right boxes for me in terms of the narrative that I wanted to see. And I think I think Chrono Trigger is the closest comparison, I think, um, for those who haven't played I Am Setsuna. But if you love piano music, um, you love the winter, 
Um, you love being sad pretty much all the time, and you love a really good, solid, immersive combat system and not a whole lot of grinding. Then I highly recommend I Am Setsuna. Um, I don't know if you've played it, Andrew. I uh, it. It's been on my radar since it came out because people repeatedly over and over and over compared it to Chrono Trigger. I think it was probably even in its marketing. Uh, and if you want to get my attention, compare it to Chrono Trigger because <laughs> I I will... I'm only half kidding when I ask why they still make JRPGs when Chrono Trigger exists. Uh, but the problem has always been the price. Uh, $40 for a digital game is a tough sell for me. Uh, if I'm going to be paying that much, I need a physical version, and so I'm waiting to get it on an import, and it just hasn't been a priority for me now, so I probably will play it someday. I just have not yet. It's also that, uh, that element of, like, I can't wait for more RPGs to come to the system now, like, yes. I'm, I'm desperate for it, just just for the, just because of that ease of being able to play it in two different locations, it's just, it's just so good. Okay, so we're going to move on to some listener questions. Can they be called listeners if we haven't actually had an episode out yet, guys? Sure. Some let's, friend, some let's friend pretend. questions. <laughs> Potential listener questions. Future listener questions. So, here we go. So, f- first of all, Craig D. Craig asks, Nintendo likes to make revisions to their consoles. What do you want to see and what do you think is most likely to happen? We'll start with Andrew. Do I want to see? I couldn't tell you what I want to see because I'm immensely satisfied with the Switch as it is right now. Uh, I have been sort of wary of the dock. I would like to see an updated dock that doesn't have the potentials for scratches on it the way this one does. Um, That's why I put the microfiber sock on it in the first place because I knew that if I wasn't careful one day, I'd put a big, ugly scratch across it, even though it's it's actually pretty well designed for that not to happen, but it seems there are manufacturing problems with it. So I think just a, a, an official dock that doesn't have the big faceplate over the front of it, but still protects the screen in some way would be nice to see. I know there are docks out there already that are built that way, but they're third-party and... I think plugging your Switch into a third-party device is a great way to kill your battery, so I'm not going to do it. And what do I think is the most likely revision to come? I think we're going to see a version of the Switch come out where the Joy-Cons are not detachable, and it's sold primarily as a handheld device, but it can plug into a dock if you have one and you choose to plug it into that. I see that on the horizon. See, I'm seeing the opposite. I'm seeing a home console only version. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I reckon as well. that's a shout. Um, anything else to add, Ginny? Um, I think that's all. I think I am with you on the whole home console thing. Um, I would like to sort of have more. Um, I'd like to see more allowances made for um, for Joy-Con only play or like Joy-Con optimized play. Um, and more titles. Um, but apart from that, I don't know if they'll change that right away. I think the home console thing might be might come out first because everyone knows Nintendo likes to make money. Um, so it that prints be a money. Thing. I also I also don't think we're going to see a revision until well after two thousand eighteen. Mm, yeah, you're right. And uh, maybe we'll see some like special edition consoles, you know, branded ones or something. But yeah, aside from that, I don't think we're expecting to see much. Too imminently, anyway. 
maybe this okay. is what maybe this is what Ginny meant when she referred to like more specialized Joy-Con games. But do you see like actual custom controllers coming out that are Joy Cons meant for just one game, like like maybe a a fishing a fishing yeah, like, Joy Con or yeah, like fishing archery, like stuff that the Wii U basically would suit. Because I think the Wii U is on its way out now, and the Switch has the potential to capture all those same motion control functions okay. as well and be enjoyed on the big screen, so yeah. Okay, moving on. Uh, Bradley Keane from Cheap Boss Attack asks, what do you feel that the Switch is missing? Not in terms of games, but does it need streaming apps or video, uh, virtual console? Or is it just fine as a new games console? Um, I'll start. So for me, I'm, I'm perfectly happy with it just as a new games console. That's fine. I think the virtual console thing will happen, and I think it will happen outside of the uh, the online paid subscription thing they were talking about. Um, whether it needs streaming apps, I, I don't. I don't want them. I've got a tablet for that. You know, I, I wouldn't use the Switch to to stream Netflix. I don't think. What about you guys? Yeah, it is a big no from me on the streaming apps, and um, I don't really want the Switch to go in that direction at all i think it's just fine for games so yep easy answer uh i am also of that mind on the streaming apps i know it was a big to do like you know the latest thing nintendo can't do right when uh it didn't have like netflix at launch and i don't miss it i have never really felt a need to play netflix on my switch i don't want to watch it on a tiny screen and when it's plugged into my big screen that's pretty much what my wii u is for at this point um, and as for the virtual console, well, I, I don't really know what virtual console means at this point, because, like, the Switch is full of Neo Geo games, and, like, that's all virtual console is, it's just you download a game and you play it. I mean, that's, that's a meaningless term. Virtual console is just an eShop game, and we already have that. That's a fair point. Okay, um, just want to mention, uh... Anthony Pengeli asked a similar question. We've sort of covered it, his version in the answer as well, I think, so we'll move on. Uh, can't pronounce this one. Aaron, asks an X. Does that sound right, what do you reckon? I think so. Aaron, I, I, I think, yeah. Aaron, E-S, an X, yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, so he asks, what is our Switch wish list? Talking virtual console again, third parties, media apps, and old franchises being revived. So... For me, I, I just basically want any game that can be ported to Switch to be ported to Switch. Yes! Hashtag port I, all the games! Yes. I think I'm more likely to play them that way. Uh, in terms of uh, franchises and from third parties... Not sure. What about you guys? Um, yeah, 100%. Um, I want more brawling games, actually. I think the Switch is a great um, console for sort of like brawling um, fighting games. Um, I'd want more Koei Tecmo games on there, maybe more Warriors games, and if I'm lucky, more Marvelous games. So yeah, that's about it. But apart from that, I'm pretty happy with how it's going. Every game that can be ported should be ported. That is my stance as well. Um, I'd also like to see, uh, we've got to see Smash Brothers sooner rather than yes, later. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah it, I agree. It's taking so long. I thought for sure we would get a port of Smash 4 this year, it doesn't look like that's happening. So I think if we're going to see another Smash Brothers, it's going to be a full-on sequel. Yep, that's probably a good shout. But, but I, I reckon I reckon they might sneak it out like a, a port of four out early next year. Eh, that wouldn't be the worst thing. But as far as answering the question, 
old games I want, I want Darkest Dungeon. Uh, they Red Hook did a Reddit AMA where they hinted that it may happen. They may be in talks about it, but that's all I know on that. And I want Borderlands 2. I want it. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to bring this one up. Every console, huh? Honestly, Andrew, every console. <laughs> I own Borderlands 2 on Xbox 360. I own it on Steam. I own it on PlayStation 4. I own it on PlayStation 3. It's on the freaking NVIDIA Shield, so don't talk to me about it being hard to get on the Switch. Put it on the Switch. I will buy it. I love Borderlands 2. Um, <laughs> and, but as far as anything more... Um, there's been a lot of talk about how reticent some of the companies are to, to really support the Switch. Like, Capcom has really been dragging their feet about it. Like, they're not even putting out Monster Hunter Double Cross outside of Japan. Uh, they put out Street Fighter 2, and they said any further support is going to depend on how well Street Fighter 2 sells. Street Fighter 2 sells really well. Oh, we still don't know. We're going to put out Resident Evil. It's going to depend on how well you buy Resident Evil. I bought Resident Evil. So, come on, Capcom. Make some freaking games for the Switch. <laughs> And then Square, like, they've put out I Am Setsuna and Voez. That's the only thing they've put out in North America. Everything else is only in Japan. All these third parties, I don't I don't know what... I'm not a businessman. I'm a fan. I don't look at things as a business decision. So, like, I'm not really living in reality. I just want games to play. So when I demand something gets released, I'm not really thinking as a business person. So I'm not the most reasonable person about it. But I'm questioning if if they continue to support indies the way they are, if they even need the third parties, like the big third parties. Because I am perfectly happy to have a Switch and just use it to buy Nintendo's first party releases, the second party releases, like the Metroid games that are always made by second party companies now. Uh, Mario Plus Rabbids is made by Ubisoft, but it's, Mo it's Mario property, so it's basically a second party game. And then the great indie support. Uh, the Switch is the new Vita. It's the successful Vita. I'm very happy <laughs> with the way it is. Irenaeus NX also asks, do you think Metroid, Pokemon, and Fire Emblem all make it for a 2018 release? Um, I would be surprised if we didn't at least see a Pokemon on it, other than Pokemon, of course, um, next year. Uh, they're already making noises about Fire Emblem, so I think we'll at least see something on it next year. Um... Not sure on Metroid. That one usually goes into the development hell for a bit, doesn't it? So, um, what are your thoughts? Um, I think Pokemon. Yes, um, I think Pokemon's going to do really well, and I'm sure they've I'm sure they've cooked up another another Pokemon game in their Pokemon department basement by now. I mean, they churn those out like a factory, so I wouldn't yearly. be surprised. It's yearly at this point, but yeah, let's... I mean, Fire Emblem too. Yeah, I'd, I'd be on that. Uh. Metroid, they're putting out, like, Metroid Samus Returns remake, uh, like, next week, I think it comes out. So, like, if they already have one for the Switch, it's been in development for a while. Uh, and Pokemon, like, they've got the Sun and Moon updates coming out on 3DS later this year. So that means we're due the Diamond Pearl remakes. Uh, I think that's what we're going to see on Switch. I don't see them coming next year. I, I really don't. Um, I don't know why I think that. I just... I don't. I'm a cynic. Uh, I, I'm just... I'm waiting to see what comes. And Fair I, enough. I just don't predict that they're going to be out next year. I'm just waiting to see what comes. 
Uh, there is the the fact that they have been announcing stuff, um, and then it comes you know it comes out really quickly afterwards. The Switch was was a perfect example. Like we all knew a new console was coming, but they announced it, and oh hey, it's out three months later. Five um, months. Five months. Sh- yeah, <laughs> give or take. It's it's still ridiculously quickly, you know, quick from uh, the announcement to the yeah. release. So I think I think there's something in that. Like I I never expected Odyssey to make it out this year. It's going to happen. So you know who knows. Well, they've been doing one release a month, like one major like Nintendo property release a month, and. They haven't announced. They say that they're going to keep that release schedule up, but they haven't announced anything yet for next year. So, that's twelve slots to fill. Anything can happen. Uh, Jay Tholen asks: uh, Are there any particular genres of games you'd like to see more of on the Switch? Yes, RPGs. Yeah. First and foremost, J- JRPGs. RPGs. Perfect. Um, that's pretty much it for me. What about you? JRPGs for me too, 100% all the way. I think I said Brawlers earlier as well, so loads of that. And Warriors games, I'm going to repeat the same demands and pray that Nintendo hears me. <laughs> uh, roguelikes and roguelites, I want to see more of them because oh. th- I, okay. I am obsessive about capturing gameplay when I'm at home. Uh, so like when I'm away from my TV... When I'm not at home with my PC so I can do gameplay capture and upload it to YouTube, I don't want to be doing things that I could miss out on capturing later on. So when I'm away from my TV, when I'm away from home with my Switch in portable mode, I'm playing roguelikes and I'm playing Minecraft because I'm not missing anything important. Uh, Douglax asks, what color Joy-Cons would you like to be released? Um, I'm a big Liverpool fan. Uh, so I want red, red Joy Cons. They already exist, and I'm probably going to buy some this week. I think after going for the the grey option when I pre-ordered the console originally. Um, I would like some more themed ones. Yeah, give me some All Blacks Joy Cons, um, some AFL Joy Cons, um, some franchise Joy Cons. I want a Pikachu one or an Animal Crossing one. I'd be down for that. I wouldn't mind seeing some. I wouldn't mind seeing some themed ones. Uh, when I pre-ordered all my Switch stuff at the beginning of the year, I actually included the Zelda-like skin that was supposed to have like a little thing you could pop onto the Joy-Cons. It turned it into a little eye, a little Chica eye, and put like lots of little heraldry along it. But then the news came out that those skins actually damaged the service of the Switch, so I canceled it. But I wouldn't mind seeing things like that that were actually like built right onto it. And it was a Zelda theme or Pokemon theme. That would be pretty cool. But, again, the price would be a tough sell for me. Because I already have a Joy-Con. I don't need any more. So, I could take it or leave it. Okay. Uh, Spamo Manospam. Cool name. Uh, asks, how long do you think it will take, or if it will happen at all, for the Switch to replace the 3DS as a handheld? Uh, now, there's there's a couple of ways to approach this. Um, for me, it's probably not going to replace it, but be an addition to, because I have a stack of 3DS games I need to play. Um, I'm not even going to sit here listing them, because there's too many. <laughs> um, is, is the 3DS going to go out of life? Probably. I reckon it's got another year in it. What do you reckon, uh, Andrew? I think this is the 3DS's last year. I think this is the last... I... That's an exaggeration. I think this is the last year it's going to get major support. I think you're going to continue to see 3DS games coming out over the next year. 
but I think this is the last year where you're really going to see it getting the big games like the Monster Hunter stories coming out or the Pokemon coming out and Metroid. I think this is its last hurrah because Nintendo has done the uh, the three pillar thing before like, uh, oh, oh, the uh, the Nintendo DS is going to come out, but we're going to still support the Game Boy Advance. And then they quit supporting Game Boy Advance almost immediately. So like the 3DS has a, a huge install base, which I think is why they're continuing to support it. But I don't see that lasting much more than the Pokemon Sun and Moon updates. Um, I love the, I love the 3DS. I never want it to go away. So I'm going to be unrealistic and say that it's got a bit more time left in it. And I have a huge deck of games left to play in it. So please, Nintendo, keep supporting it. If but they stop maybe... supporting it, you can catch up. Exactly. I was about yeah, to say I that. could do. But <laughs> I'm going to say three. I'm going to say two to three years before it stops being supported. Okay, cool. And that was it for potential listener questions. Um, if you'd like to ask us a question, you can do so on Twitter, which is Switch Focus Pod, or on Facebook, Switch Focus Podcast, or you can email us at show at switchfocuspodcast.com, or head to our website and fill in the handy contact form. And that sort of brings us to the end of the episode. Um, if people want to follow you, where can they? Start with you, Ginny. Um, you can follow me on Twitter um, at, at Ginny Woes. That's G-I-N-N-Y-W-O-E-S. Um, and you can follow me there for some hot takes about <laughs> basically any sort of game ever. And also the woes and trials and tribulations of my life as an owner of two cats. So, <laughs> Cool. Um, is there anything you wanted to promote? Any recent work? Um... I think the people over at D- Digitally Downloaded are pretty good. Um, that's You can follow them on Twitter, um, just at um, that name. Uh, we do lots of sort of JRPG-focused and Japanese game-focused content, which is our niche. And I think if you like games like visual novels um, or just basically sort of any product out of um, an Asian country. We're very keen on covering that. So if that floats your boat, please check us out. Um, yeah. Cool. And you, Andrew? Yeah, you can uh, follow me on Twitter at PlayCritically. Uh, I also have a blog at playcritically.wordpress.com, which I update when I get the chance. <laughs> Uh, I'm just going to warn you, if you do follow me, I am in the U.S., which is experiencing some problems right now, and I am not shy about sharing my opinions on those problems, so uh, if you don't want to hear some politics, maybe avoid me on Twitter, but uh, in the meantime, you can listen to me here, and I'm going to stay non-political on here, I promise. (laughs) We'll try. Uh, And you can follow me on Twitter, uh, at FlameRoseToast, and... Topically, I did a, I had a Splatoon piece go up on IGN the other week. I'll put that in the show notes. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in, and hopefully we catch you again next time. Don't forget to send us questions, please. We live off the attention. <laughs>